Do corporate execs think their companies are doing enough to reduce emissions? And should there be an IPCC report every year? Hey y'all, welcome to the Climate Recap from the Becosphere Climate Corner, your go-to place for international and U.S.-based climate news. I'm Becky Hoke, a science writer. Today is Thursday, April 14th. Let's jump right into the news you need to start your day. Let's start with some climate events. In central Philippines, at least 53 people have died and 1,700 were displaced from landslides and flooding as tropical storm Meggy made landfall early this week. It's actually supposed to be the dry season there right now. Rescue missions are still ongoing to look for the missing. Meanwhile, in South Africa, days of heavy rains have resulted in floods and mudslides, leaving at least 45 people dead. The magnitude of the storm surprised local experts, with some scientists already attributing the event to climate change. Over in Uganda, crop-devouring army worms are devastating local crops, which are younger and weaker due to sustained climate change-induced drought conditions. Uganda is a significant maize producer for the African continent. Meanwhile, marine sponges off the coast of Tanzania have been observed bleaching for the first time. This is concerning because it could indicate that climate change is starting to impact deeper coral more. Now let's look at some studies, of which there are many today. 8 out of 10 teens in the United States expect climate change and environmental forces to affect big decisions like where they live and whether they choose to have children, according to a new study by 4-H and Harris Poll. They surveyed 1,500 kids ages 13 to 19 earlier this year. 75% of teens say that they are worried about the planet, and more than 80% of them say that the responsibility falls on everyone and demands that corporations and governments do more. Many feel like caring for the environment is more important than economic growth. Another Harris poll, this one international and for Google Cloud, looked at top corporate executives' feelings on sustainability. It found that 80% of executives polled rated their companies above average for their sustainability work, particularly in the finance and tech sectors. Yet only 36% said their companies had the tools to even track this information. Possibly even more interestingly, 58% of the executives polled thought their companies were greenwashing themselves, in other words, making themselves look more environmentally friendly than they are. This number was especially high in North America, where 72% of execs admitted this. But many execs also said sustainability goals were as high of a priority as research and development. Google Cloud says these results show the need to put data in the hands of decision makers. And a new Stanford study comparing the quality of life and energy usage in 140 countries found that 75 gigajoules a year or less is enough to power a good life. For context, a gigajoule is about 8 gallons of gas. Americans use 284 gigajoules a year on average. As the author of the study says, quote, That suggests to me that we can nudge energy use downward in a bunch of hyper-consuming countries and not just make a more equitable world, but perhaps make ourselves healthier and happier. A happy life is determined by looking at the following metrics, access to electricity, air quality, food supply, Guinea coefficient, which measures wealth inequality, happiness, infant mortality, life expectancy, prosperity, and sanitation. All but air quality peaked and leveled off at 75 gigajoules. Now let's hear some climate victories, starting in the United Kingdom. 
For the first three months of 2022, renewables generated more energy in the UK than gas and coal, according to the market specialist Anapsis. Wind on its own generated nearly as much energy as gas-powered plants after a record wind turbine performance. It represented 70% of renewable-generated power, which includes biomass. The UK Environment Agency says efforts to better protect homes from flooding have exceeded its expectations, boasting that more than 300,000 homes are now better protected, resulting in a risk of flood damage in the UK dropping by 5%. In London, Extinction Rebellion activists forced the world's largest insurance marketplace, Lloyd's of London, to switch to remote trading after they barricaded the building. The activists want Lloyd's to stop insuring fossil fuels. Meanwhile, leading climate scientists are pitching the idea for annual reports from the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change on the state of the climate and climate action to keep climate change in the news. There's easily enough content for that. German lawmakers are calling for the European Union to ban Russian oil after returning from a trip to Ukraine. This is a big deal because Germany is the largest economy in Europe and is heavily reliant on Russian oil. It plans to stop importing it by the end of the year and has already dropped its Russian imports by 10%. The EU is drafting proposals to ban Russian oil, but so far it does not include crude. Over the weekend in the U.S., a group of over 50 activists called West Virginia Rising convened at an oil plant in West Virginia, which reportedly makes West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin nearly $500,000 a year, selling dirty coal waste called garbage of bituminous, or GOB. 16 activists were arrested. Manchin's coal plant is one of over 200 still up and running in the nation. Manchin has blocked federal efforts to address climate change, prioritizing personal interests. And indigenous groups in the U.S. should expect to receive access to a $46 million fund soon to help themselves prepare for a warming world. The climate crisis disproportionately impacts indigenous people's food supplies, livelihood, and infrastructure. Some communities will have to relocate because of sea level rise and storm surges. 40% of the 574 federally recognized tribes in the U.S. are located in Alaska, which is seeing climate impacts more than other parts of the U.S. Now for some headlines that are not good or bad. Some of the world's largest companies, including Alphabet, Spotify, and Meta, have contributed to a new $925 million fund to support carbon removal technological development. The fund, called the Frontier Fund, was started as a public benefit corporation by Stripe and distributes the money raised to carbon capture startups. This on its own is a good thing because we need carbon removal to make up for the hardest to decarbonize parts of our civilization in order to avoid the worst impacts of climate change. But the companies are able to claim the money they gave as carbon offsets, and that is problematic. There's no guarantee the technology will work and uptake as much carbon as they claim it will, so offsetting those emissions prematurely just gets them to their goal of claiming carbon neutrality faster without really doing the work. Meanwhile, India expects to face more power cuts due to coal shortages paired with soaring energy demands. Their coal inventory is the lowest it's been in nine years, and coal represents 75% of India's electricity generation. As a result, industries of aluminum and stainless steel are getting their coal allotments slashed as India tries to keep its lights on. The domestic coal industry just hasn't been able to ramp up fast enough to keep up with the growing demand as the pandemic slows. 
international coal has become more expensive as countries try to drop Russian oil. And add to that the unusually early heat wave at the beginning of this week, which increased energy demand as people upped their air conditioning usage. Okay, on to the climate fails. The Ukrainian war, to some extent, is pushing countries to speed up their clean energy transition. But it is also making oil producers more popular as countries, in an effort to move away from Russian oil, are desperate for oil. This is reportedly giving them an upper hand in deciding how much influence they will have over the next international climate conference, COP27, in Egypt in November. The United Arab Emirates energy minister put it like this, quote, Oil producers felt unwanted in COP26, felt like we were in a corner. Now we're like superheroes. In COP26, the UK banned fossil fuels from sponsorship deals, but that's unlikely to happen in November. This next news story is very interesting. Apparently, hydrogen emissions are 11 times worse for the climate than carbon dioxide, according to a new study by the UK government. Hydrogen has the potential to help our clean energy transition, but when it's released directly into the atmosphere, it can interact with molecules to produce potent greenhouse gases. California is not ready for the wildfire season. Two years ago, the governor started a wildfire prevention program that fast-tracked environmental reviews to reduce areas' propensity for fire. But the program still has yet to complete a single project, with some saying that the program makes the process worse, not better. And with the terrible drought we're already experiencing, I'm not excited for the summer. And Northern and Central California's main electricity and gas supplier, PG&E, will have to pay $55 million and submit five years of oversight to avoid criminal prosecution for starting two deadly wildfires, the Dixie Fire in 2021 and the Kincaid Fire in 2019. Okay, let's talk about the Clean Water Act for a sec. The Clean Water Act was passed with the goal of making U.S. waters safe to swim and fish in within 10 years. 50 years later, and half of the nation's water bodies are still not safe for those activities, according to a new report by the D.C. Watchdog and advocacy nonprofit Environment Integrity Project. This is based on the information they were able to get from states through the Environmental Protection Agency. And it should be noted that only 27% of U.S. rivers and stream miles were even studied by state authorities during the recent assessment cycle. The act was still a big win for the government to pass, but a few key loopholes are keeping it from accomplishing its goal. One of the biggest ones is it's still legal for agriculture operations to allow chemical runoff. Indiana, Oregon, South Carolina, California, and Michigan have the most polluted waterways in the nation. All right, let's finish today's news with two more climate victory headlines. Two large cities in separate ends of the U.S. are working to electrify their fleet. Last week, the Los Angeles City Council unanimously voted to shift the city's entire municipal fleet to electric vehicles. We're talking over 100,000 garbage trucks, buses, and other city vehicles. Research suggests that they will need 25,000 EV charging stations by 2030 to meet this demand. That same day, Boston, Massachusetts governor announced that the city would be electrifying its public school bus fleet, which represents 11% of Boston's municipal emissions. And that was your climate news for Thursday, April 14th. If you like the work I do, please follow this podcast, give it a five-star rating, leave a review, and consider checking out the Becca's Fear Climate Corner YouTube channel. 
Remember to talk about the climate crisis every single day and to support your local news organizations. Bye for now.